Again, thank you. It is a blessing to be here this morning. Uh, if you were listening to that passage of scripture that Paul uh, was reading, if you would just take a highlighter pen or a pencil or, and you would just mark the word here and hears and here and hears and how many times that that statement is used in this passage, uh, there's a theme that is concurrent through scripture and I'm going to be reading our passage this morning for the message is going to be out of the book of Colossians. But if you'd like to follow along, I'm going to begin reading just a few passages of scripture. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then I'm just going to move through several passages of scripture. And you're going to see this emerging theme uh, that comes out of scripture that has to do with the will of God. Uh, this is actually part 6 in our preaching series on the will of God. And uh, we are in that Colossians chapter 1 passage. Uh, but I want you to, through scripture as we journey just quickly through these passages, uh, hear, hear what the scripture has to say concerning the will of God and our role, our role in that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. Moses to the children of Israel that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord, might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Oh, Israel, you should listen. You should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply multiply greatly just as the Lord the God of all your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey and then this what's called the Shema hear O Israel hear O Israel the Lord is our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart remember what Jesus just spoke in Matthew chapter 13 people hear or don't hear, and then the uh, resolute effect that that has, they don't hear because they have a dull heart. They can hear because they have a receptive heart. And so uh, hearing God's word was to write these on our heart. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Go with me to, let's see, I'm going to cut some of these down. Go to Matthew, let's see, chapter 7, chapter 7, Sermon of the Mount. As he ends the sermon, he makes this statement in verse 21. Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them. 
I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house, yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What does it have to do with the hearing? Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Just one or two more of these in uh, chapter 4. This was after the temptation of Jesus, and he enters in uh, to the synagogue in Galilee, and actually came to Nazareth, and and he, uh, I'll begin in verse 16, Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed him, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written. This is out of Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He, he was sent He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendants and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now you could just, uh, there's passage after passage. If you were just to do a topical study on, on the word hear and heard uh, throughout Scripture, Genesis through Re- Revelation, you'd see a harmony that comes together. Your role, the role that you and I play in, uh, in our hearing and hearing what God has to say. Now, I've mentioned with the youth group this morning um, and just did some research over the last two weeks. Um, the very first sensory thing that we begin to engage where we're gathering information in our mother's womb is hearing. Before we can see, uh, we hear. Now, we may not understand what we're hearing, but we can hear. The ability to hear uh, begins in our mother's womb. And so, as we come into the world, we can hear. Can't see everything, but we can hear before we can see. And, and the smart folks say that, our, you know, the saying is, seeing is believing, uh, apparently the people who have done the research say that our hearing has more of an effect on our, what we see than our seeing does on what we hear. I thought that was interesting. read a great article, several on that, that our hearing, one of the very first century things that comes into play in our ability to understand, also then the rest of our life affects us. And so you and I are raised every day, we hear stuff. I asked the kids this morning, what's the first thing they hear when they get out of bed? And they said, make your bed. Get ready for school. Get dressed. Uh, Get ready for the bus. And, uh, you know, ask them, what's the last thing you hear at night? And they said, well, it's time to go to bed. And, uh, uh, And so they're hearing. We're hearing from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, we're just hearing stuff. We're hearing, and we hear all kinds of noise. And I thought this was interesting, and I, and I certainly resonated with me. Um, we hear angry, don't we? We hear anger. We hear sadness. We don't have to see it. We can hear it. 
Uh, we hear joy, we hear happiness, we hear it. We hear positive and we hear negative. Uh, we even train our ears, we train our ears. And the Bible even talks about those that have feet and ears that actually, strange as they want to hear violence. They run to and they want to hear violence. Um, we hear gossip. I asked the kids, actually they said that. I said, do, why do we listen to gossip? And I like Grace's answer. She says, because it's entertaining. I thought, oh yeah, we do. We hear that, don't we? We hear gossip. Our ears perk up for that. Don't, don't. We do. And, and uh, we're affected by so much of what we, you take somebody that's been raised in an angry household. If they've been raised in anger, they're hearing it. And it's culminating and it's affecting us. I mentioned again to Grace and Zane, I said, they've got a brand new grandbaby. They've got a, a brand new <laughs> Gloria May. And I said, what do you think she hears most of the day? She just hears a whole lot of love, doesn't she? She just hears it. But you can hear angry. I, uh, all the years that I've spent in prison ministry, uh, what I saw in prison ministry were the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives that um, as you listen to them and their story, their lives in prison was a culmination in many ways of all that had been, all the input, all that they had been heard. If you were raised in the third ward of Houston, in a, in a, in a gang environment, an unhealthy carnal environment, and all that you heard is going to be completely different than, uh, than a, maybe a serene place. I... Uh, I was thinking about as I was preparing this lesson that I spent, I guess the greatest influence in my life was my grandparents uh, and my grandmother, Hannah, had a great piano in her house and she played the music and worship at our church. And I remember that was just such a warm place to be. And the, what I heard was, I heard it, I couldn't tell you how many times she would play How Great Thou Art. And she would play these great hymns. Uh, and, and she would just, in, in, if she wasn't in the kitchen or she wasn't, she made hats and she sewed and she painted pictures and uh, you could just hear in the kitchen. And uh, I could remember hearing my grandfather in his den and, and he had a transistor radio and he would listen to the Houston Astros and, and all of the, the noises, all, everything that I was hearing in that house uh, was, was peaceful. And I, I would tell you, I, I was certainly blessed. I cannot remember. I'm sure they did. I wouldn't tell you that they didn't. But I don't remember my mother or my father. I don't remember hearing them fight. I'm sure they did. But I didn't hear it. Um, and so I felt like I was very fortunate. Uh, we can hear a lie, can't we? We know what lies are. We hear a lot of stuff we're not sure about. I'm just not really sure about that. We'll have a young couple visiting. Uh, what's your, is it Brexley, the little girl, little Brexley? She's one year old, you know, and, and uh, I'm just as approaching this message and then seeing her, you know, again, from a very young age, we're hearing. We're just hearing. You, and most of our day is defined and most of our life 
is defined by what we're hearing from a very young age, from a very young age. And I go, that old rugged cross, how great thou art, they still move me, not because they're great hymns, but because from a very young age, I was in my grandmother's house, and I could smell all the good smells, and I heard all the wonderful love and laughter and the kindness and the work. And, but I, the, every time I hear those hymns, it just, in my heart, it takes me back to a moment. And that moment was a moment, the foundation of that moment was love, the love of God. The love for those wonderful words in those hymns. But we hear it. If you, it whatever you are, in whoever you are, most of whatever and whoever you are, the role of all that you've heard has, has played as much or more of a role than any one factor in your life. Scripture bears that out. It truly does. Now, what's this have to do with the will of God? We're going to transfer into this Colossians chapter in just a moment. And then there's a great admonishing lesson for you and I. Because as we grow and as we live and who we become, you know, there is that struggle. And the struggle is God has called me to be a certain kind of person. God has called me to live a certain way. God has called me to talk and act. And he's called us. He says we live by faith and not by sight. And yet the problem is, from a very, very young age, whatever your influences are and all the stuff you heard, and the hearing affects your seeing more than the seeing affects the hearing, you know, we are that culmination, and we're in our flesh. And when you look at these kids, I ask them again, so what do you think the difference? We have a, uh, a homeschool group that meets here on Tuesdays. We have about 50 kids, at least 50. And throughout the day, it's a, it's a great joy I hear more laughter than I hear. I, I hear joy. I hear sounds of joy. I hear them singing hymns throughout the day. I hear them praying throughout the day. I hear Christian language amongst uh, the teachers. I hear that from my office. Now, I don't know what you're going to hear if you go to one of our public schools during the day. And I'm not, I, listen, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't homeschool or go to a public school. Christ can be honored wherever we're at. But I will tell you what those kids in this CC environment and what they're hearing in that environment is probably a little different than what's being heard in some of our public schools. I just think that's safe to say. And so our kids, we just, and, and the music we listen to, Social media, we, you don't even have to hear it audibly. You read it. If you read it, you're hearing it. We read the word of God and we hear it through the reading. As we read it, we hear it. Music. Well, look at the genres of music that are, look at what you listen to. What are your kids listening to? And for you and I to say that we're immune from that is just ludicrous. It's just not true. If you're listening to, and I have to tell you, going back to my prison ministry experience, and you talk to these guys, and you do assessments on them, where they're at spiritually, how can we minister to you and bring God to that place in your life where he is glorified, your heart is pierced? You start, you start listening to these folks, and you listen to the things that have moved them, and the role that music has played. I, we've all been affected by music. This generation, this young generation, and every generation before them. Maybe even more now. Social media. Instagram, Snapchat, anything that you, we're hearing it. As much as we see it, and as much as we read it, we're hearing it. Now, here's the challenge. So, as Paul makes this statement to the Colossians about the will of God, you're going to, again, I ask you just to highlight, just to highlight, just to highlight. 
if you go to the book of Acts, okay, Jesus already said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He taught there in Matthew 13 about having ears that hear and eyes that see versus ears that don't hear and eyes that don't see. You go to the book of Acts, first gospel sermon, chapter 2, Peter stands up and he preaches. The first thing he says, men of Israel, listen to me, listen to me. And as he preaches that first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, he's going through, and he ends that sermon, he says, men of Israel, be sure of one thing, this Jesus of Nazareth, you killed him. You killed him. And the passage then reads that hearing this, upon hearing this, their hearts were pierced. And they cried out, what must we do? God has always used the preaching of his word, the teaching of his word, the study of his word to penetrate hearts. He has. He tells the apostles in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, you go into all the world, you preach the gospel, and he who hears and believes will be saved. I don't know what you listen to. I don't know how much you listen to whatever it is that you listen to. I don't know how your ears have been trained from a very young little one-year-old baby to a 93-year-old gentleman. We, our ears are being trained. Man, we, we may have ears that run to gossip. I like gossip. We may have ears that like violence. Uh... Part of my research, you know, the number one watched YouTube videos? There, there's so many different, I guess, designations for that. Uh, but amongst the young people, it's ones that have some sort of violent theme to them. Where there's a violent, aggressive uh, something going on. Our ears and our eyes have been trained. They've been trained to to look at the train wreck, to listen to the negative, to partake in all those things. And so that's just true. But as a Christian, the struggle is that we, yes, we've been saved, but what have we been saved from? Well, we've been saved from ears and eyes and hearts and spirits and bodies that are sinful. Paul says it best. And what does he say? In Ephesians chapter 2, he just says it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But here's the gospel. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, that he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of of God. It's not the result of works that no one should boast. Now, so there's the gospel. And then the problem with that 
is that, yes, that's who we formerly were. Yes, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Yes, we're, you know, we're the result of everything that we've heard. Most of it probably negative, certainly not godly. It's influenced our thinking, our heart, our spirit, everything about us. And even though God has saved us, and even though God has poured out his love through the Holy Spirit into our hearts, Romans 5, so that we could be justified, we're still in our flesh. As long as we live, we're still in our flesh. And so there's a transformation that's taking place. This is who I am. These are the things that I've heard. And I was raised in a house, in an angry house, and I'm struggling with that. I still hear angry. When I should be hearing the word of God, I'm hearing angry. I was raised in a depressing uh, environment. When I should hear joy, I'm hearing depression. And you just go on and on. And so I now have been saved by the work and the hand and the mighty will of God according to nothing that I've done. He's put his Holy Spirit in my heart. And I'm still in my flesh. And so... Something has to happen. And so very quickly, this is pretty easy because Paul nails it in this first chapter of the Colossians. Now, here's a challenge to you and I. The challenge issues from these pages. In, in verse, chapter 1, verse 3, he writes, this is a very simple message. Again, I would challenge you just to highlight the word heard, heard, hearing, listen, heard. So in this opening statement to the Colossians, he says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Nice statement. Why? Verse 4, since we heard of your faith. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all your saints, for all the saints. You can hear faith in Christ Jesus and you can hear the love which you have for all the saints. You can hear that. Challenge. There's the first challenge. When you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ, or you think about the local congregation that you're a part of, because that is the body of Christ. That's the body of Christ. What, what have you heard? What are you hearing? What role are you playing? What role are you playing in the hearing and what's being heard about the people that have faith in Christ Jesus and the love which they have for all the saints? You can hear that. Verse 5, because. You can hear this because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You can hear the language of a church, an individual Christian, a Christian wife, a Christian husband, a Christian home, a Christian fellowship. You can hear faith in Christ Jesus, love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid for you in heaven. You can hear that. Do you hear that? And if you don't hear it, why? Now here's a litmus test. Who's responsible for what you hear? Is there anybody responsible for what you hear other than you? Absolutely not. You're responsible for your attitude, period. 
Nobody is responsible for your attitude. He would say to the Philippians in chapter 2, you and I are supposed to have the same attitude that was evident in Christ Jesus. We talk a lot about choice, people, choice. But it's interesting, you know, say people say, well, I've made a choice to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow, you made a choice. Well, Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven because they practice lawlessness. You can hear lawlessness, folks. You can hear it in the language, the heart, the actions, the attitude, and the spirit towards, first and foremost, those that are supposed to be in Christ because of their faith. And then I can hear the love which they have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. You can, you can hear that. But you can also hear the opposite of that. And, and then he goes on to say, just continuing, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. We uh, were in Bandera, Texas last week for Sunday. Church, and Jake Hooker was preaching and doing the music there, and he's going to be coming here very soon. And uh, he's going to come on a Sunday when the House of Hope is here. He's been here before. By the way, I have to tell you, uh, on the 25th, not this Saturday, next Saturday, and many of you, or some of you were here, it's been before the pandemic, the uh, Cowboy Christian Gospel team, Roy West, and they have... Uh, the musicians from George Strait and Asleep at the Wheel, they're going to come on a Saturday, uh, two Saturdays, the 25th. They'll be here. Uh, we're going to have a meal at 6 o'clock. They're going to play at 7 o'clock, and we're just going to have a wonderful fellowship of uh, that great uh, uh, Christian gospel uh, uh, music. And, and Hannah, they said, if you want to be here, you could, they, you could play with them. And so uh, it's an outstanding group. They're wonderful. They're going to be here. Uh, but, but Jake, as he was, and I loved it. You just got to hear this. So we'd heard that he was going to be there Sunday. And, uh, and he was playing at the 11th Street Cowboy Bar and Saloon, which is a big honky-tonk beer joint in uh, Bandera. And uh, so he's at 11 o'clock. And we know the owner of this place. And. And he got up, he's owned it for 17 years, and he was on the stage and he said, we've done 4,800 and so many shows the last 17 years on this stage. He said, this morning will be the best, the best one we've ever had. And it was. And God was being honored in a honky-tonk. And uh, that's another sermon for another day. And he did honor God. And, uh, and the owner had a big potluck. He bought a bunch of fried chicken and... I've spent a lot of time in that, uh, in that beer joint over the years, and uh, it was certainly uh, it was a little different. But Jake said in the sermon, he said, you know, the whole world has heard and knows about Jesus. The whole world. But not everybody knows him. Not everybody who's heard about him knows him. It was a powerful message. And... That's exactly what Jesus is saying in that passage that Paul read out of Matthew 13 and in the Sermon on the Mount. The whole world's heard about him. But not everybody knows him. And 
And it's even pandemic in the body of Christ. Jesus was talking to, he wasn't in a bar talking to a bunch of drunks, bad actors. He was preaching on a, a mountain where an exclusive group of people showed up. Is God's people. People that were convinced that they were followers. People that were convinced that they not only had heard the word of God, that they knew it. His Sermon on the Mount was controversial. His Sermon on the Mount, I guarantee you if you were in the audience that day and if you'd like to sit down and do the study and research with me, it was not an encouraging sermon. If you were a religious leader or if you were even a layman and you were sitting on the side of that hill and this rabbi got up, the son of the living God, and he preached what he preached on that Sunday, you wouldn't have gone away with joy in your heart. You would have gone away with a heart that was hearing words that you'd never heard before. He said, you heard it was said this. You heard it was said this. You heard that it was, but no, you're wrong. That's not what it is. He challenged every paradigm that they had lived under. They'd heard about Jesus, but they didn't know him. I think the same condition exists today. And so he says in verse 5 in chapter 1, he said, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of the truth, the gospel. And by the way, the verses that I read out of Deuteronomy and all those verses, Paul was aware of them. Paul knew the teaching in Deuteronomy. He knew the whole Old Testament. And now he's talking about this, what you previously heard in the word of the truth, the gospel. He wrote Ephesians in chapter 2. There were those, all of us, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy, he saved us. That's the gospel. And they had previously heard it. Verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even it has, as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, this park right there very quick. Heard of the faith, the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, because you previously heard the truth, the gospel, and now it's come to you, and it's come to all the world. Everybody, everybody has heard about Jesus. And something has been happening in you, and it's what's supposed to have been happening in you is since the day you heard of it, you would understand the grace of God in truth. I'm going to challenge you. Of all the stuff you've heard, of all the stuff you've heard, could you honestly say in the hearing of God, in the presence of God, could you do it? Could you tell your children? Could you tell your pastor? Could you tell your brother and sister in Christ? More importantly, could you tell the Lord Jesus Christ that be, what I've heard, something has happened. I understand the grace of God in truth. I don't know how many sermons you've heard. I don't know how many times you've sang uh, these wonderful hymns. I don't know. I don't know the impact of the hearing of the sermons and the reading of God's word and the singing of hymns. I don't know how much of that you've heard. But Jesus does, the Lord does, and it's going to be based upon one thing. All that you've heard, is it evident in your life that you understand the grace of God and truth? 
Is it evident that you understand the grace of God in truth? That's the most important question that Scripture asks of us. Everything you've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, everything you've heard concerning faith, we live by faith and not by sight. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith comes by hearing and hearing the story of Christ. A lot of people heard the story of Christ. Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, we live by faith and not by sight. And, and here's how you'll know. Here's how you'll know. Have you understood the grace of God in truth? Even though you and I struggle in our flesh, there's something that's supposed to happen as the love of God has been poured in our heart through the, the Holy Spirit so that we would be justified. Something's supposed to be happening. As we hear the truth of the gospel preached, as we hear it through the reading of Scripture, as we hear it through the singing of home, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He wrote to the Ephesians, he said, we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He also wrote to the Ephesians that, that God has given, God gave, not me, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers for the equipping of the saints. What are you listening to? What are you hearing? You and only you are in charge of what you hear. I am not responsible for that. Nor are you responsible for what I hear. Not a single one of you can blame anybody for what you've heard and the way you hear it other than you. And the litmus test will be this. Do you understand the grace of God in truth. I don't care if you've been raised in anger. I don't care if you were raised in the third ward of Houston. I don't care. There's something that supersedes all that. And it is, Paul said in Romans, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And God, he wrote the Corinthians, he chose the weak to overcome the strong. He chose the foolish to overcome the wise. He chose the debased, the despised, the things that are not. You now have no excuse. I don't care where you were born. I don't care where you come from. And I believe the scripture is very clear about this. Those that are going to be judged the most harsh, the, uh, the harshest, are those that have the least excuse. He says, if I give you just a little, that's all I want. But if I've given you a lot, I expect a lot in return. The church is full of people that have been given much. And they practice lawlessness. They're not murdering or raping anybody. And they're not stealing from anybody. But there's no indication in their life that they understand the grace of God in truth. They're easily offended. 
They backbite. They slander. They libel. They propagate, plant, and fuel hearsay. If that's not true, tell me. You don't have to tell me. Because a man or woman that understands the grace of God and truth, his hearing is different. Her hearing is different. And their life is different because of it. They see somebody fall. They see somebody hurt. They, they see somebody caught in a lie. They see, they see something stripped away. They see something that's not right. And what do they do? Oh, God. That could be me. Oh, God. Oh, God, I need to fall on my hands and face in a quiet place and, and pray, not only for that man or that woman, but for me. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to feel sorry for myself. I don't need a reason to justify a conspiracy or conspiratory attitude towards someone. I don't need to demand my ways and my right and my will. That's someone who understands the grace of God and truth. And then finally, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Listen, when you hear the gospel, you share the gospel. We, and the word is servant. But as we've learned it and we've heard it and we're living it, what happens? I can't wait. I'm a servant. I'm a Epaphras. I got to go tell you. You need to know. And when I tell you, you need to go tell someone else. It's the living proof of it here. What we hear is what we say, and what we say is what we hear. Can you do that? Can you say, I've, listen, I understood the grace of God and truth. I heard it. Since the day I heard it, I understood it. Since the day I heard it, I understood the grace of God. Since the day that I learned it from so-and-so and so-and-so, and so, I, I learned it from my grandparents singing Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art and taking me to Sunday school every Sunday. United Woodlawn, United Methodist Church in San Antonio just had me in church and had me at VBS and had me and said grace every time we sat down to eat and sang the wonderful hymns. And, and listen to their voices. And I was hearing it, and I began to understand it. And then you just grow, and you live, and, and God saves you according to his will and his mercy. I heard it in Paul and Melinda Jenkins' home when I was a teenager. I saw something different. I didn't know what it was, and I could go on and on. I heard it with the preachers and, and Christian, Christian inmates in a prison. I heard it. I didn't understand, but I heard it, and I came to understand it. And I don't know what your story is, but you know what? The story has always been, I heard it. You read the 107th Psalm. There were those prisoners who were, they were caught. They were in prison because of misery. They dwelt in darkness because they had rebelled against the counsel of the Most High God, and he humbled them with chains and misery, but he broke the bars of iron asunder. Let them give thanks. Let them give that. How much of your hearing and understanding of the grace of God and truth, how much of it, and you learned it from somebody, and you can track that and back it up, how much of it are you sharing with somebody? For this reason, he would say, he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. You can hear that. 
love in the spirit. Another litmus test of the things that you say and you talk about and the conversations you have in your heart, in your spirit, how much of it is based upon hearing and understanding the grace of God and truth? How much of it has to do with being a faithful servant of Christ on someone else's behalf, verse 7? And how much of it is informative about your love in the Spirit? That's another sermon for another day. And then I'll finish here. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, heard, heard, learned, heard, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. There it is, part six. The knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Is that your goal? If it's not your goal, why isn't it? Because that's, a, that's the culmination of a goal. That's the culmination of ears that have heard and eyes that see. They saw faith in Christ Jesus, love for all the saints, hope that was laid up in heaven, the truth of the gospel heard in the word of the truth of the gospel, constantly bearing fruit, understanding the grace of God and truth, a faithful servant of Christ on someone else's behalf, Informing people of the love and the spirit. Why? So that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's some heavy stuff. It's heavy. As you walk in this world in the flesh and you make a choice to what you're going to hear and then why do you hear things the way you hear them? And how you should be hearing things. I think the greatest voice that was heard, and it was heard, it's been heard for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, this has been heard. Golgotha, 2,000 years ago. Our Savior's on the cross and he's dying. You're struggling to breathe because you die by, uh, you, you, you basically suffocate is how you die on the cross. And you're trying to raise yourself up to get another breath and he's suffering on your behalf and my behalf and says he became sin and the two criminals were mocking him at some point and one of them comes to the realization and he says, this man's done nothing. He's done nothing. The one man, one of them, both of them, but he had been mocking him. And something happened. He understood the truth, the grace of the gospel. At a split second on the cross, he, be, he understood the grace of the truth in Christ Jesus. So, a split second. And he became a great evangelist. One of the greatest evangelists, maybe some would say the first evangelist in, in Christianity was the criminal on the cross. Somebody you and I probably would have despised. 
But he became the first evangelist. He said, this man's done nothing wrong. Remember me today when you come in your paradise. Those voices were heard. Mostly, importantly, it was heard by Jesus Christ. Jesus heard it. In his dying pain, he heard it. In his dying suffering, he heard it. And he said, truly, I'm going to tell you something, fella. You're going to be with me today in paradise. And that man heard it. He had hope. He became a servant. He was filled with knowledge. And he was an evangelist dying on the cross. Condemned by the world as a wicked man. And he's in paradise with our Savior. Because he understood the truth that was in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no telling how many ugly, vile, hateful, angry things he'd heard during his lifetime. I can't imagine. I've heard the stories of many convicts. But the most important words he ever heard were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you create in us ears that hear and eyes that see. I pray that you fill our ears with the desire to hear the truth in the gospel and the good news that would save a wretch like me and the mercy that comes down from heaven and the love that covers us in all the multitude of our sins, I would just pray that not we just not, not just hear about him, Father, but we would know him, that we would know your son. And so, Father, these are my prayers in the hearing of your assembly this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.